I'm Nidhi Tiwari. And I'm Billy Samoa. And this is Relearned. Welcome back to Relearned. Today we're delving deeper into the world of sleep, one of the most essential yet mysterious processes of the human body. Sleep's not only crucial for our physical and mental well-being, but also for our overall survival. It's honestly as important as food, water, or oxygen. So let's kick it off by discussing why we sleep. We know it's essential for our physical and mental well-being, but maybe we can explore, Billy, some of the more specific functions of sleep. Absolutely. Let's dive in and talk about this complex process that we all know plays a vital role in restoring our body and our mind. And it really works as a mechanism to maintain all of the bodily functions that, frankly, we take for granted. It helps to consolidate memories. It repairs and helps to grow muscles and tissues. And it even strengthens our immune system. It plays such a crucial role in so many areas of our life, like regulating hormones, such as melatonin and growth hormone, and also plays an important role in maintaining our metabolism. So I know there are stages of sleep. Let's dive into the various stages of sleep so that we could better understand how this all works. Yeah, of course. Well, every time I check my Fitbit after a good night's sleep, I'm always looking to see how much REM sleep have I gotten? How much deep sleep have I gotten? And I'll read up on some of the stats there. But I learned through my research, Billy, that sleep is actually divided into two main categories. There's REM sleep and non-REM sleep, and REM meaning rapid eye movement sleep. So non-REM sleep is in four different stages. Stage one being the lightest stage. So this is when we're kind of waking up periodically, not necessarily in the, in the deep dreaming state that we often associate with REM sleep. And then stage four is the deepest stage of sleep. So this is where restoration happens and some of those functions that you mentioned. In contrast, REM sleep or rapid eye movement sleep, that has an element of really vivid dreaming and lots of brain activity. It's like your brain is firing on all cylinders and is trying to make sense of all the events from throughout your day and throughout your lifetime. REM sleep is critical for memory consolidation. And research actually shows that people who get more REM sleep score higher on cognitive tests, which makes a whole lot of sense because if you're able to retain and consolidate information more effectively, well, then you're able to apply that when you're taking these types of tests. So we know that REM sleep now is associated with cognitive function, but I know people who are listening, Billy, are wondering, well, you know, that's great, but how much should I really be getting? What's considered the ideal amount of sleep that we should be getting on a nightly basis? So REM sleep is the fourth stage of sleep. And I had mentioned that it's where we dream, it's where we start to be able to consolidate memories, et cetera. But what's fascinating, Billy, is that during REM sleep, not only does your brain activity increase, but your heart rate as well as your breathing becomes more rapid. Your eyes start to move back and forth. So if you've ever watched a child or really any human being or actually animals too do this, fall asleep, you'll see and go into REM sleep, you'll see that their eyes start to move back and forth under their eyelids. And this is a sign that they're in this REM sleep stage, rapid eye movement sleep. Your body also enters a temporary state of paralysis. I found this really fascinating. So this is when you're not able to move many of your muscles, including your arms and legs. 
And I would imagine that this contributes to people having sleep paralysis because you're in the midst of a dream in REM sleep stage and you're like locked in. Your body is unable to move during that phase. Researchers suspect that the paralysis during your sleep stage actually keeps you from acting out your dreams in bed. So if you're running through a Freddy Krueger nightmare, right, you're not going to wake up in the middle of the night and start running. Your REM sleep and your body and your brain put you into this state of paralysis to ensure that you're not enacting the very things that you're dreaming about in that REM sleep stage. Now, the purpose of REM isn't fully understood. Of course, we know that most dreams take place during this sleep stage, but it turns out that it is really important for learning and for memory. Yeah, this is something I think about all the time. And it's funny because it's not just the amount of sleep, it's the quality of sleep. But let's start with the amount because the amount does differ depending upon your age. The National Sleep Foundation says adults should aim between seven and nine hours of sleep per night. But I want to break this down a little bit more granularly and think about how old you are and then think about how much sleep you should be getting. So if you're brand new to the world, you're a newborn between zero and three months, they say that's about 14 to 17 hours. As you get older, you're between four and 11 months, it's 12 to 15 hours. And then as a toddler, one to two years, 11 to 14 hours, three to five years, you're looking at 10 to 13 hours. And then most of your school age years between six and 12 you should be about nine to 11. And it does continue to go down. As a teenager, it's between eight and 10. And then most adults, as I've said, it's between seven to nine hours. As you might know from watching your grandparents, they don't need as much sleep and often they don't get as much sleep. I remember my grandfather getting very little sleep, but really at that age, seven hours to eight hours of sleep is enough. Here's what's fascinating, Nidhi, is that when we think about sleep, we should really think about all the factors and age being one of them, but also lifestyle. Also, what's your overall health? What's your stress level? All of these factors should be considered when you think about that your sleep and how much you sleep is going to play a huge role in your life and a huge role in how you feel when you're awake. And so let's dive in and talk about why Sleep is so important, but more importantly, what are the benefits of getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, it's so interesting to see how we sleep the majority of our lives, basically up until our school age years. And I bet that the system that we work within for schooling kind of shifts that a bit, right? So like there's the biological function when it comes to sleep, but I also wonder if there's a social component there. So that's that's really fascinating. You know, a good night's sleep has so many different benefits, Billy. It's innumerable benefits, honestly. It improves your cognitive functioning, like I'd mentioned, but also your mood. So when you get adequate sleep, which for most of us is going to be between seven to nine hours, as you had said, or seven to eight if you're uh, above 65, that you're able to just feel better on a day-to-day basis. I've seen this in my clients in my therapy practice that sleep and their mood disorder or their mental health condition are very much tied together. And when my clients improve their sleep hygiene and take opportunities to increase the amount and the quality of sleep that they're getting, that their mood significantly improves. We also know that athletic performance is very much dependent on our sleep, right? So we can't 
function optimally. We can't be an Olympian and, and be a peak performer if our body isn't rested, if our metabolism isn't at its height, and if we aren't at that peak cognitive functioning as well. Studies have shown that adequate sleep can reduce the risk of a multitude of different conditions and diseases, things like diabetes, heart disease, obesity. So a lot of people who are trying to lose weight, not that I'm a proponent of that necessarily, but people get frustrated because they're like, man, I'm doing all of this exercise. I'm, I'm really trying to watch my diet. Why am I not losing the weight? Why am I not getting fitter? And it turns out that your sleep cycle can play a significant role in whether you drop that weight or whether you're in the obese range of the BMI scale. It also has a positive impact on our immune functioning. So we tend to be able to fight off disease and repair ourselves during our sleep cycles. And so the more sleep that we get, the better and more optimally functioning our immune system is. And last but certainly not least, our good night's sleep can even improve the quality of our skin. For those of us who are starting to get wrinkles, like I know I am <laughs> as I start to age in dark circles under my eyes from honestly the lack of sleep. Getting sleep can help to reduce some of those wrinkles and some of those dark circles. And I bet it can even improve acne, honestly, because once again, that restoration and reparative phase. So one of the things that I admire most about the work you do, Nithi, is that you really focus on emotional well-being and well-being in general. So I wonder if you could talk about that as well as sort of the brain chemistry and the things that happen when we sleep to our mind. It's really fascinating stuff, Billy, because what we found out through the research is that brain function is directly tied to sleep quality. And that brain plasticity theory is part of what posits that, that sleep allows your nerve cells, your neurons, other components of your brain to reorganize. And that when you sleep, the system within your brain called the glymphatic system, it's basically like a waste clearance system. It clears out all of the waste from your central nervous system. So these toxic byproducts that get produced throughout the course of the day by the brain, they just build up and it's just a natural part of our existence. Your brain is able to purge some of those. And that's what helps you to function well when you wake up. Research actually suggests that Sleep contributes to memory function by it helps to convert short-term memories into long-term memories. So this is part of how we're able to basically retain information, how we're able to make sense of the events. And it's also how we start to erase and forget unneeded information, things that may clutter up our, our brain and our ability to just kind of retain and bring back to the surface what we really need in a moment. Your sleep cycle is what is helping you to achieve that goal. So sleep is impacting your memory. It's impacting your creativity. People that get more sleep tend to have much more creative juices because you're well-rested. You're just fun you're firing on all cylinders. Your problem-solving skills improve, which means that then your decision-making skills improve. Your ability to learn, focus, and concentrate, all of these things, all of these elements of our day-to-day -day functioning are very much tied directly and correlated to the quality and the length of our sleep. Not only that, there's an emotional component of this too, right? So we know, we talked about earlier how mood is tied to sleep, but sleep is even more so necessary for our emotional health. In fact, if you're struggling to manage your emotions, if you feel like you get triggered or overwhelmed on a day-to-day -day basis, getting more sleep can help you to better regulate your emotions. When we get good sleep, these areas of the brain, the, the activity within these areas increases. 
That's your hippocampus, which is memory consolidation, your amygdala, which is kind of your alarm system in your brain, the striatum, the insula, the medial prefrontal cortex, which is a part of your critical thinking and decision-making. All of these different parts of our brain, the activity increases as a result of sleep. And if you feel like you've been reactive and jumpy, like I was saying a moment ago, the temporal lobe, which is in charge of your fear response, this helps to get reset and regulated when you're asleep. It's what controls your reaction when you perceive a threat or you're in the midst of a stressful situation. So getting good sleep can actually help you to be able to show up better at work, to be able to communicate more effectively within your family system and your relationships with people. And it can help you to feel less stressed and overwhelmed on a day-to-day basis. When you do get enough sleep, the amygdala can respond in a much more adaptive way. And that is exactly what we are looking to achieve, is to not feel so reactive, to feel as though we're in control, and that we're able to ride the waves of different emotions that we experience day to day. Now, I would be remiss to not mention the fact that sleep disturbances can of course contribute to mental health concerns. And on the other hand, mental health concerns can also lead to difficulties with sleep. So it's kind of a chicken versus the egg situation. And it's important for anybody who's listening, who's resonating with this element of our conversation to seek out the support of a mental health professional, a psychiatrist, a sleep doctor, somebody who specializes in treating these types of conditions. Yeah, depression obviously is one of the things that comes to mind with prolonged and chronic lack of sleep, but there's other conditions as well. And I think we should mention that. So we talked about a lot of the pros of getting good sleep. Let's be real, talk about some of the things that long-term lack of sleep can cause. Obesity, diabetes, heart and blood vessel disease. And so when you have this lack of sleep for a long period of time, you're going to see a lot of underlying risk with that. So the research is very clear that heart disease, especially, and the elevated blood pressure, these are things that we need the sleep for our body to get the recoup and the rejuvenation that it needs. And you mentioned, of course, the depression side of the fence. So we can see, Billy, that sleep is actually critical to our overall well-being and mental health too. So what can we do to make sure that we're getting a good night's sleep? Like there's so many of us that really struggle to get to bed and to sleep consistently, to stay asleep and to wake up in a consistent time. What are some ways that we can improve this? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think when we really reflect and when we're honest with ourselves, The good news is we can control how much sleep we get if we're conscious about it and if we're aware about our habits and if we create a routine that allows for healthy sleep. So you ask a great question. Let's dive in. This is probably the most important part of our conversation because it's the how-to. How do you do this? And so some ways that you can make sure that you have good sleep, it starts with the environment right? What type of environment are you in? Are you putting yourself in to give yourself the best likelihood to have good sleep? So sleep schedule, avoiding stimulating activities right before bedtime, such as screens right before bed, keeping the room dark, making sure it's a quiet room. I know for me, I sleep so well when I don't have something waking me up in the morning. 
And if it's a dark room that doesn't have any potential risks of being awoken, it's going to give me a better night's sleep. It should be not too cold, but also not too hot. And then having a routine, having a bedtime is so, so critical. And I can tell you right now that there's been times in my life where my bedtime fluctuated so much. And as a result, my sleep pattern was not optimal. So let's dive in in a few of these areas and let's get into some areas that we haven't yet talked about. One of the things I was listening to Huberman Lab, and he talks about this idea of getting sunlight, especially early in the day. So it's important to note that when you get this sunlight or even this artificial bright blue light, that we want that during the day, not right before you go to bed. Now, the good news is the daylight's not going to affect you at night because it's not daylight. But when you have that daylight or even artificial blue light during the day and you get enough of it, it's going to give you a greater chance to sleep in the evening. Another thing that we should always be thinking about is what we're putting into our body. For example, if we're drinking coffee or some other caffeinated substance late at night, it's going to affect our sleep. There's also things we could be taking to help our sleep, like a melatonin supplement. These are things that if you could take a melatonin supplement in the evening time, it's going to give you a better chance. So Nithi, I, w- I wondered if you could talk about some of the supplements that could help. In addition to melatonin, there's some other supplements that are very valuable. If we take these supplements, it's going to give us a greater chance to have the right conditions to get good, solid sleep. Some of the supplements that are the most effective are actually some of the most simple ones too, Billy. So I love lavender. The scent of lavender is just so relaxing to me. I have it in my laundry detergent. I have it in my diffuser at home. It's a powerful herb with so many health benefits. And it turns out that lavender can actually induce a calming and sedentary effect. So that helps you to get better quality sleep and to be able to have deeper sleep as well. So you can take recommendation is between 80 to 160 micrograms containing 25 to 46% linalool. So this is the active ingredient in lavender that helps you to be able to get that sleep onset figured out. Now there's another supplement called valerian root that I'm sure some of you have heard about. And several studies are suggesting that this can also help you to fall asleep and improve your sleep quality. So some people take 500 milligrams before bed and it works like a charm for them. Magnesium, I didn't realize this, but this is a part of our diet that we may have to kind of take as a supplement through vitamins, but it's actually responsible for over 600 different reactions within our body. And one of those reactions is improving our relaxation and our sleep quality. So I thought that was pretty cool. There's also ginkgo biloba. So this is one that was super popular back when I was growing up in the 90s. I used to see commercials for this all the time. But it's a natural herb with many benefits, one of which is stress reduction, sleep aid, and relaxation. So people take it typically 30 to 60 minutes before bed, usually around 250 milligrams. And it seems like it works really well for them. One piece to consider, though, is that the evidence and the research behind ginkgo biloba is a little bit less strong than for these other supplements that we're discussing. So just do your own research and and make sure it's something that will benefit you. Glycine is an amino acid that if you just take three grams of it, helps to improve your sleep quality. And then another amino acid called L-theanine can improve relaxation and sleep too. So there's just so many different options out there, Billy. And I think that there's so many people that are frustrated. They just can't seem to get a good night's sleep. And maybe one of these supplements could be a way to help with the sleep onset and the sleep quality. 
Yeah. And my wife, and I've shared this with you in the past, she, she suffers from insomnia. And so we looked at some of those and others to help. And I think we ultimately, we need this so bad, right? We need great sleep and we need it consistently. And if we're taking the necessary steps to get to good sleep, we, we have so much of a better life. And I've seen, I've been myself very aware of my own mood when I don't get good sleep. Frankly, I've seen my wife's mood when she doesn't get good sleep. And so I think it's important that we, we really take as many measures as we can. I'm going to list a few other things that would be helpful. Some of it's diving a little bit deeper into some of the items that I mentioned before, such as room temperature. So we know that the average room temperature for the best night's sleep for the majority of people is around 70 degrees. So if you could get to that temperature, now some people are going to say, oh, I want it hotter. I want it cooler. You got to gauge for yourself what's right for you. But point being is get a good temperature that is the Goldilocks for you. Now, another thing, and I've been guilty of this, is eating late at night. Much like drinking caffeine late at night, also eating late at night. Not only does it cause indigestion, maybe heartburn, could also cause you to not get a good night's sleep. The other thing is, is mindset. I know that I've thought late at night about things that honestly keep me up at night. And when you do activities or things that are going to make your mind race, especially late at night, it's going to be a lot harder to put yourself in that state of mind where you're going to be more likely to fall asleep quickly because your mind's going to be racing. So give yourself that opportunity to maybe relax your mind, put yourself in a state where you're not thinking about those things that are going to keep you up. Another thing that I've seen work really well, and I've just been doing this for my wife, is I, I draw a bath for my wife like in the evening time and I light some candles to help her get into a state where she's likely to sleep. So whether it's a, a warm shower or a bath or something to relax you. And again, it's just a step you could take. And it may sound obvious, but how many of us do this on a regular basis? So the other thing to, to really be sure of is make sure that there might not be underlying issues which could be causing a pattern or sleep disruption in your life. Do you have a sleep disorder? Do you have sleep apnea or some other documented case of insomnia that could be caused by another imbalance, something in your own body makeup that could be causing this sleep disorder, get that checked out. You can have a sleep study done. Don't assume that it's not something that is medical that should be addressed through the proper means. And then the last thing I'll share is the environment that you sleep in from head to toe plays a big role. And I believe that making an investment in a good or even a great mattress the right pillows that you like, the right type of blankets, all those different things help to create and foster a healthy type of environment to sleep in. So hopefully those things help. As we round out here, Nidhi, I would love to talk about anything else that we missed, anything that would be valuable because sleep is such a vital role. It, I think it's like a third of our life is spent sleeping. So what are some things that maybe we haven't yet talked about that would be valuable as we think about how to create the best type of sleep routine. Well, I loved all of the tips that you shared, Billy. And so many of them were just like 
light bulb moments for me, particularly this idea of not eating late in the evening. I've been playing around with intermittent fasting where I stop eating at 8 p.m. And I have noticed on my Fitbit that not only is my sleep improving, but my resting heart rate is actually going down too. And it's remarkable how not eating late at night can have such an important physiological impact and benefit for your body. And then the second thing that really stood out to me is having that comfortable bed not sponsored by Tempur-Pedic, but my God, Billy, I love my Tempur-Pedic mattress because it's adjustable. I feel like I can just like fall asleep so quickly in there because it's supportive and it provides my back like a little bit of a little bit of extra cushioning. So that way it doesn't develop like tension and knots. It's been a mm. game changer for me. So before I go, I just wanted to touch on those things before I dive into. I love that. No, I love that. I just, I just wanted to mention that like Yes, we may not be sponsored by it. And that's that's the brilliance of this is we're, we're not sponsored by Tempur-Pedic. But like I talked to somebody who uses a sleep number bed and they raved about it. So I'm, we're not sponsored by them either. But I think it is worth exploring, right? Because we have this ability to choose the environment we sleep in, choose our bed and choose wisely. If a third of our life is spent here, that is a pretty, in my mind, it's a pretty good place to invest in. So sorry to interject there, but carry on. No, no, I thought that that was great. And my biggest downfall when it comes to sleep, and I'm learning that this is something to pay attention to, is I am a napper. Like I will totally lay down after work and take a three-hour nap, which then means that I'm up between 1 to 3 a.m. and I'm getting really wonky sleep hours for the rest of the evening. So being able to time your naps well, just figuring out when there's a time during the day to make up for lost sleep, but not have it be so late in the afternoon or evening that it interacts or interrupts your ability to fall asleep when bedtime comes around. So experts are recommending that you keep naps to around 20 minutes, which of course, three hours like I'm taking is completely out of that window, and that you avoid naps after 3 p.m. So this means like after you have your lunch or maybe not after lunch, but you know, soon after your day is winding down might be your perfect moment to get that nap in and to feel rejuvenated throughout the rest of your day. You just touched on, I think one of the biggest reasons why Christine, my wife does not get good sleep all the time. Sometimes she falls asleep watching TV and it may be like 8 PM. And then that same night, just like you've alluded to, the sleep is not there. And so getting that habit of napping, napping, I love napping in the 20 minute window. Eh, I'm going to say I'll nap for 40 minutes, but agreed. If you nap for three hours, chances are you're not going to get a good night's rest. And I don't get me wrong. Like it feels so good to get that long nap in. But I think if we could have those short naps during the day and to your point earlier in the day and avoid the risk of falling asleep prematurely, like watching TV or doing whatever. And then all of a sudden now it's hard to get back to sleep. So yeah. Anyhow, what else did you uh, think about with sleep? Well, yeah, I think that the piece that people miss is that when we're going out and we're drinking or we're smoking at nighttime or even just during the daytime, it does affect your sleep cycle. It keeps you awake. And the people that have a drink right before bed, it may temporarily make them feel relaxed but it also causes you to wake up in the middle of the night. It reduces the amount of deep sleep and REM sleep that you get. And I've learned through my research and through working with my clients who have sleep disorders, who drink, that it actually interferes with this hormone called GABA. And this is what helps us to not only fall asleep, but stay asleep. 
So if you think back to the last time that you went out and partied, you hit up the bar, you may not even be hungover. You may not have even drank that much, but you found yourself having spotty kind of intermittent sleep where you're you're going to sleep and then waking up and then going to sleep and waking up. The alcohol and any type of smoking that you're doing may be the root cause of that. Mm, yeah, we've all been there. You might pass out from drinking, but you're, A, your sleep probably is not good. And then B, it is because it's like a passed out type of thing or even like an induced falling asleep, it's not as healthy. And that's, that's a problem. So yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. One of the things that we hear so many people talk about is to play into your circadian rhythms, that you should be waking and falling asleep at the time that makes the most sense for your circadian rhythm. And basically what a circadian rhythm is, is your daily cycle that affects the functioning of every single cell in your body. It directs physical processes like your brain activity, the release of those hormones that you mentioned, your body temperature gets regulated by your circadian rhythm, your appetite, and of course, your sleeping and your waking times. So your circadian rhythms are coordinated by your biological clock. Technical term is the suprachiasmatic nucleus, the SCN. And it's basically just a fancy word for these nerve cells in your brain that act as a command center, basically like your CPU. And it regulates your circadian rhythm throughout your body, including wakefulness and when you fall asleep. So how does it do it? Because it just seems like such an enigma to me. And I found out through the research that the SCN actually gets input from your eyes and it takes cues from your environment to be able to sync up your body with the time of day. So some of the cues that your SCN network in your brain is taking in is light and darkness. So when is the sun rising and when is the sun setting on a day-to-day basis? What the temperature is. So when we have that ideal temperature of 70 degrees, it helps to, to activate that circadian rhythm, your physical activity, getting exercise, being able to go out for a walk, hitting the gym, getting some yoga movement in, whatever that looks like for you, helps to also contribute towards steady circadian rhythm. And your social interactions and your eating patterns also are a piece of your circadian rhythm. So I had no idea that all of these day-to-day activities, things that we never even think about, right? Stuff like social interactions, who would have known that that can actually affect your sleeping and your waking cycles and just your daily cues in how you navigate and move through the world on a biological, physiological, and neurological level. So powerful. It reminds me of why I fall asleep earlier when I go camping because I have the sunlight hitting me a lot earlier and I'm in the sunlight a lot longer and I'm ready for sleep earlier in the day. And so whereas in my everyday life, I might go to sleep at midnight or even later than that, when I'm camping, it's probably 10 or 11. So super fascinating. I love this topic. So grateful that we're able to explore it. Hopefully you got some value out of relearning sleep. If you would like to suggest a topic, please let us know. We always welcome ideas and suggestions for what you want to relearn about. So until next time, make it a great one. And thanks for relearning with us. If you enjoyed the insights and perspectives you've gained from Relearned, please consider following the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're grateful for your support and we look forward to being a part of your transformational journey.